Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we're going deep on marketing data with Triple Whale CMO Rabba Rahil. For more information about Triple Whale, go to trytriplewhale.com now. Triple Whale aims to be the operating system for e-commerce, centralizing all the metrics from all the tools that you use and providing you with a clear vision of how to grow your business. Rabba is a friend with a long track record of successful growth marketing with really cool brands like Onnit and Whole Foods. And what's best is he brings a real engineer's curiosity to marketing of all levels. I really enjoyed this conversation where we discussed why ROAS is a vanity metric and why you really need three ROAS to rule them all. I hope you enjoy the discussion. On with the show. We have some really cool product journeys that'll show you for a second, third purchase. One of my past clients had a really top selling product, but that top selling product was actually a horrible gateway to their brand. They're activating really high quality customers. They were just walking through the wrong door. You can flub up in second, third purchases, but that first touch point really has to be on point. Um, so that was something else where um, identifying kind of better products to put money behind. Um, and then a uh, mode AOV kind of red light where you have to change the economics or just don't play because if not, you're just spending into a loss. There's not much anybody's going to be able to do. Welcome to the D2C Podcast, Rabba. Let's start with uh, setting the stage. You know, after iOS 14.5, people's reliability in the ROAS metric, return on ad spend metric, on platforms like Facebook and TikTok uh, has been a little suspect. Are you willing to go out on a limb and say that at this point, on-platform ROAS is a vanity metric? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I don't even think at this point it's a limb. It's more of like a concrete bridge. Uh, It's pretty, I think, kind of... To unwind a little bit, what had happened was the last, and we were kind of talking about this offline, but last two to three years, there's just been such a bull market in terms of paid media. Like if you had a decent offer, a decent website, you were going to convert, you're going to print money. And then all of a sudden you lose the tracking, you lose all these kind of integral things to basically the money machine breaking. And now you kind of get ultimately all the accuracy and precision of on-channel metrics has been degraded to pretty much non-usable. You still have directionality, so like, is it going up or down? That's still correct, but you have to, or what I've seen the most success in is using that directionality coupled with, um, we have a thesis called three row as to rule them all. Um, And so using channel agnostic heuristics to, as a proxy for the marketing ecosystem um, versus relying just on Facebook. And the other thing is, to be fair, it was actually a viable strategy. Like, I mean, Dollar Shave Club had a huge exit off a viral video and paid arbitrage. So it's, it's no judgment. It's just the... The times are changing and the the way you fly, you just need different instruments and different, um, like I said, heuristics to really understand what's going on in your marketing ecosystem and, and trusting Facebook ain't the path. I love the word heuristics. Uh, let's talk about the three ROAS to rule them all. So how should p- people be thinking about their return on ad spend? So we think of marketing as a holistic ecosystem. So there's a bunch of parts of this ecosystem. And so we ultimately just abstract away all the attribution. So we just have one, um, which people might have heard of, MER, or we call it ecosystem ROAS. Um, So that's going to be your total um, sales. So all your sales divided by all your ad spend. This is going to tell you how effective your ad spend is. So as a marketer, you care about three things. You care about effectiveness, 
efficiency and profits. And so this is going to be the effectiveness heuristic, how effective. And so if you have, say, uh, a 10 mer, what that means is for every dollar in ad spend, you're generating $10 in revenue dollars. So that's great. Okay, cool. I use that to pace off of. I use, That's pretty much like the North Star metric. However, there are some drawbacks to it, hence why we have the, the set of three ROAS. So that's your effectiveness. The next thing you want to measure is what we call new customer ROAS. So that's going to be your new customer revenue over your total ad spend. So Shopify bifurcates your customers into new and returning. So we just take the new customer revenue divided by the total ad spend. What this is going to do is going to be a canary in the coal mine. So this is going to tell you the long-term health of your marketing ecosystem. Most of your ad dollars should be, like paid media is expensive and it should be spent mostly on prospecting. You want to get new people into the fold. And so what happens is if you have um, somebody that comes in and has never run advertising before or something on account and all they do is smash retargeting, you'll have a fantastic murder because you're printing money. But what's happening is you'll get to a point where you're just going to wring a dry towel because you're not bringing any new people into the fold and there's just going to be a ceiling on the LTV of the customers that you've already activated. So that's your new customer ROAS and that's your efficiency. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling here. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you, and you don't know how many of them would have come there anyway. I think that's something I'm, I'm here from advertisers again and again is that when, you know, when the, the fog of war was lifted and, uh, you know, after this iOS 14.5, they were realizing that their ad dollars weren't as effective as they thought they were previously. Oh, such a great point. There's the old joke, oh, our email guy quit. Now our Facebook ads suck. Where it's like, oh, really? That's <laughs> that's funny. It's kind of like, oh, exact, because this, this whole thing works as a system. And so ultimately before, you used to have some precision and accuracy, and you could drive from the Facebook ads dashboard 100%. That's not the case anymore. It just isn't. Um, but yeah, so to land the plane, you have your effectiveness metric. So that's going to be your eROAS or MER. Then you have your efficiency metric. That's going to be your new customer ROAS. And then the last thing is, and so this is something really new. Um, and so I, I came from uh, economics background, so I went to school for, and so this has always been a bit top of mind, but um, it's shocking how many media buyers don't really care about profit. And to be fair, I understand, because if you're partnering at the revenue level, um, it is what it is. But that's why we use gross profit. So the third ROAS to rule them all, the third ROAS there is um, POAS. So it's essentially a contribution margin, but CMOAS doesn't really have the, the same <laughs> roll off the tongue as POAS. Um, so what that's measuring is your gross profit over um, your total ad spend. And now you can understand, are you putting the right, the right ad dollars behind the right products to drive profitability for your business? Because if you don't understand margin, like the too long didn't read about margin is ultimately low margin products are you're just not going to have a lot left to deduct from operational expenses, SG&A, like all, all as you come down the income statement to the bottom line, there's just nothing to take because you, you're, you're giving it all up in the sale. Whereas high margin products, those are really what you want to be putting your paid media behind. With that being said, you don't want to say, no, these low margin products, if you're selling a lot of them, don't just throw that away, but use them as upsells, use capture on email, organic. Again, paid media is expensive and that should be deployed on your best selling, highest margin products, not your best selling products. That makes perfect sense. And I think probably a lot of people are, are using kind of a blanket approach or aren't putting enough attention in, into that detail. So how does Triple Whale then allow you to drill in on individual product profitability with your ads? 
Yeah, so this is a great question, and this is uh, the kind of line, the abstraction of attribution is a bug and a feature. And so one of the things that three ROAS won't give you is that campaign ad set and ad level performance. Um, so we are building a triple pixel, which is going to uh, solve that issue. Um, and so it's actually being deployed, uh, I think, yesterday's on some of the stores. It's in a beta right now. But the... Uh, Great question there. So to combat that, what you can do is it's essentially OG advertising. So it's uh, incrementality. It's just a fancy word for turning something up or turning something off. And so what you can do if you have a simplified campaign structure, and granted, if you're spending $15,000, $20,000, $50,000 a day, you might have some more sophistications to your campaign architecture. But ultimately, what you'll do is say, hey, we had a really good month or really good week, and we spent a lot of, on TikTok. Let's turn it off and see what happens this week, or vice versa. And ultimately, you can get reads on that by using the three ROAS. But at the end of the day, outside of UTMs and then the triple pixel that's coming, it's really challenging to get um, like a clean read on your ads performance if you are running a fairly sophisticated setup. Again, if you're not and you're kind of all CBO, bigger, broad audiences, you know, fairly simplified campaign structure, you can run really effective incrementality tests to then really drill down on what is actually driving it. But in terms of like one-to-one -one attribution, um, outside of the triple pixel, which is coming, it's pretty challenging. Because even UTMs, there's a ton of drawbacks with UTMs. Uh, Multi-touch attribution is the holy grail. And the Facebook pixel had kind of solved that. And now we're kind of back into the uh, dark ages again of, or almost worse than the dark ages because something that was once reliable is not anymore. And so there's still some people kind of, you know, the late adopters that are still driving with on-channel um, metrics that it's just, uh, that ain't the path. Well, I do, just not not a point on, on history here, but I think the dark ages, they did have some things that they lost in the dark ages. So it's probably a fairly apt uh, comparison. <laughs> yeah, give it, you know, running water, yeah. penicillin, that kind of stuff, pixel, I, I, you know, potato, you, potato. You might lose it. Now, I wanted to ask, you know, one of the ways you describe Triple Whale is is wanting to become an operating system for e-com. And yeah, I just wanted you to describe e a little bit like what are entrepreneurs using right now as their operating system if they're not using a product like Triple Whale? Is that is that sort of like that's going to be Shopify, GA, it's going to be some sort of triangulation between Google Analytics, Shopify, and your on-platform metrics. What does a dashboard look like for someone who's not using Triple Whale? Great question. So ultimately, this is where I came from, um, where when I was recruited from Triple Whale, AJ and I were just kind of chatting on Twitter. Um, and I was like, oh, this is what I use. And so what we see most of people using without Triple Whale is usually some Google Data Studio setup um, with some sort of data ingestion tool um, like that. And so, you know, there's some decent things to that. Um, and quite frankly, you can build some decent dashboards that way. The one thing that, and not to turn this into a product pitch, but the, the one thing that I found challenging with that is we do some sophisticated analysis on the back end in terms of like cohorting is insanely hard to do on your own. Um, doing kind of mean, median, and mode. So we will give you three different types of AOVs. Um, again, we'll give you 60, 90 day LTVs. So LTVs can be a little quote unquote easier to calculate, I guess, because you can pull all the data um, and do that. But what I found when I would do account audits, so I came from the agency life and so either account audits or 
um, kind of dashboard setups, it was just really challenging to get those high level metrics on top of just the work of getting all the stuff together. But the too long didn't read. The biggest thing we see is either people running from spreadsheets proper um, and just making visualizations in their uh, spreadsheet or they have like this one spreadsheet to rule them all kind of thing. Um, or they have some sort of data ingestion with um, Data Studio to kind of do the, the visualizations and stuff like that. Very cool. And then and then so logging into Triple Whale, I guess everyone there's probably custom dashes where you can kind of you can kind of put together the dash that you need. But what is what goes into an essential dash as far as you're concerned for a D2C brand? Fantastic questions. Um, so we actually have some pre-built sections for this. So everything is customizable to whatever um, your need is. Um, but the first section I recommend is obviously the uh, three row ads to rule them all. Um, and then we have a, and then total ad spend and then as well. So we give you two actually looks at Mer, uh, kind of like uh, gross profit and gross margin. Um, we give you a percentage Mer, And so that's ultimately the total ad spend divided by the total sales. Um, and so it's the same uh, end game. It's just a, a ratio or a percentage, excuse me, versus an absolute. Um, so I like to look at that as well to see like, oh, I've spent 7% of my revenues on paid media or 10% or whatever. And so those three rows to rule them all. Then I like my shoppies metrics. So I'll take my total sales, orders, AOV, kind of the usual suspects there in Shopify. And then I'll have an aggregate roll up of my customer mix. So new customer revenue, new customer CPA, uh, blended CPA. So I have my customer mix there. And then below that, I'll have my Clavio. So I want to know how much is my email contributing to my marketing ecosystem. And then I'll have the splits in terms of revenue per email and revenue per campaign. So I can also know, am I sending enough campaigns or are my flows inefficient? Um, and then from that, I'll have my SMS, so attentive, and then any of the paid channels I'm live on, we'll have those actual channel metrics in there with a lot more robust stuff. So Facebook, Pins, Google, Snap, um, TikTok, any of those channels will be in that. And so that's kind of the, the flow of the dashboard where I kind of have the more high level stuff that I care about so I can pop in. And then as I go down, it gets a little more um, intricate and nuanced in terms of the metrics I want to see. Very cool. And you mentioned three ROAS to rule them all. I love any uh, Lord of the Rings puns you can kind of build in there. You also <laughs> mentioned Thank three you. looks at AOVs. I didn't notice a good a Tolkien pun on that. But what are the three uh, looks at AOVs that you give? Not a Tolkien pun, but a um, Steve Martin pun. It's uh, the Three Amigos, if you've ever seen a movie. Yeah, totally. Classic. Yeah, exactly. I'm old enough for that. Me too. Yeah, perfect. Okay, <laughs> you get the reference. Beautiful. Yeah, so uh, fantastic question. So ultimately, there's three ways to look at AOV. One is mean AOV. So this is kind of a little small stats lesson, but mean AOV is just kind of proper AOV. It's going to be your total conversion value over your total conversions. Okay, cool. Essentially the average. Then we give you a second cut, and this is going to be the median AOV. So that's going to be the center of the data set. So 50% of the purchase values are below, and 50% of the purchase values are above this uh, purchase value. And then the third cut, which is really important, especially for paid media, is the mode AOV. That's going to be the most frequent value in the data set. Why this is important is kind of if you think about a bucket, and that bucket is full of purchase values, the mode is the most purchase values in there. And so if you grab the purchase value out of that bucket, probabilistically, it's going to be a mode purchase value. And so that's going to give you a much better approximation of what you're going to get in terms of conversion value for a paid media conversion, um, especially on prospecting. Um, and so normally, there's not a huge variation. Normally, you'll see a pretty healthy, like say 150 is the mean and then 
<clears throat> the mode will be in the 115s and the, you know, that works. But um, I've had a couple clients back in my past life with agencies where they'll tell me they have a $50 AOV, but their mode AOV is $20. And so $50 you can make work on paid, but it's it gets really, really felt, um, especially this product had a, a longer purchase cycle as well. So it's not like fidget spinners or something where you can just sell somebody 10 a day kind of thing. It was, it was something where um, it was a, a personal care product. So anywho. Always look at the mean AOV, mode AOV, and meeting AOV. The way we like to think of things is thesis building. So we try and stay away from beliefs. Beliefs make you emotional about things. And when you're emotional about stuff, you'll have bias and you already have enough bias. Um, and so we try and think of thesis building. And then also kind of a mental model is we want to have as many witnesses at this scene where we can synthesize all that data to then understand customer behavior or purchase behavior instead of just using one data point, especially with, with jagged humans are really jagged. So having an average for jagged, uh, data sets, isn't a really good approximation of that. That makes sense. Now, can you give me you, like, I, I got a really clear picture of the data that you have access to on your dashboard. Can you give me some examples of like times with clients, you know, obfuscated a little bit of when this data really helped them take action in a way that grew their business that they wouldn't have been able to do without the data. Yeah. So uh, kind of going back to that mean medium mode, um, that was one where um, basically this guy made a million dollars last year and lost 22K net. And so like that wasn't the path. And so when I dug through the data, it was like, well, one, we're overspending and two, we're spending in economics that, that aren't tenable. Um, so that was one where it was just having a conversation with the client saying, hey, you know, this data is showing this and these economics just don't work on paid media. We're just going to be light hundred bills on fire. So what we can do is bundle and just only promote X, Y, and Z for paid media. Um, and so that was one. Another one was um, we have some really cool product journeys that'll show you first, second, third um, purchase. They're Sankey diagrams, super dope. Um, one of uh, my client or past clients they had a really top selling product, but that top selling product was actually a horrible gateway to their brand. And so what was happening there is they were activating really high quality customers. They were just walking through the wrong door. And so once we pulled the paid media away from that to another product where the product journey has identified, like this is a great product. People love it. They're purchasing it three times. There's growth in subsequent cohorts. Like life is good here. And shifting that ad spend into um, not just revenue watching, but really what product is generating the most value and the best brand touch point for that first person um, is really, really important. You can flub up in second, third purchases, but that first touch point really has to be on point, especially when somebody's giving you money. Um, so that was something else where um, identifying kind of better products to put money behind. Um, and then a, a mode AOV kind of red light where you have to change the economics or just don't play because if not, you're just, you're spending into a loss. There's not much anybody's going to be able to do. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the triple pixel. You mentioned it earlier. Is it now available for people listening to this podcast? This will go out in like a week or so. Is it available for people coming on to Triple Will? A week or so, no. A week or so, it'll probably closed by then. We have, I think, five spots left. Um, we will open up. So we'll be taking a wait list again. But we had a uh, 200 uh, person beta. 
uh, for it. So uh, get in now, or or maybe we will open it up. Who knows? We'll see when we post it. We're we're, we're generous people here. Um, yeah. So Triple Pixel is ultimately trying to solve the first party data issue of not having to spin up your own tech stack to track all your own data. Um, on top of that, we're layering that and marrying it with all the Triple Whale tech. Um, already with Triple Well proper, so all the business insights. And so ultimately, it'll become that really e-com OS where you're going to be able to, in the future, not getting too far ahead of myself, but we really want to abstract away the ads manager and you'd be able to kind of run the whole show in Triple Well. So we'll start allowing to push ads from Triple and stuff like that. that that's coming in the future. But what the Triple Pixel will do is bring back the attribution for you. Um, and so ultimately, you're going to have first-party data across all of your channels. And so now this is a mix of UTM tracking, pixel tracking, and doing um, some some basically tech wizardry. We'll also give you different attribution models. So we'll give you last touch, last platform touch, first click. Um, and then we're also working on, uh, I think we're giving you five touch points and then you can uh, custom weight each touch point in terms of participation um, for how the conversion should be spread about. Um, so yeah, it's really exciting. It's uh, really cutting edge. If we can pull this off, it's going to be really awesome. We have it live, I think, on 100 stores right now. Um, and the data is really, really, really promising. And so ultimately, you won't even have to care about what your channel metrics say. You can just use your triple pixel ROAS and then pace off of that, run it off of that. Amazing. And I imagine CMOs out there who are listening to this, like we made a point in the pre-interview about the role of the CMO, the evolving role of the CMO. What does a tool, a dashboard like Triple Whale do for the modern CMO? So not even to 100% the CMO, but the other kind of thing we're talking about where the industry is going, I think that we have this thesis called the, the era of the mini CMO. And ultimately, you're going to get these really skilled up media buyers understanding how a profit and loss sheet works, understanding what contribution margin and understanding gross profit. And so what this does is it just gives you all the tools to just go. Whereas basically I had to grab all the data. You have to get all the permissions for all these different platforms. And then you have to blend that data and then you have to be good at data studio and then you have to be good at design and then data studio breaks all the time. It's free. It's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But so there's all these things that you get to a point where it's where are you generating value? Are you generating value with this kind of individual contributor execution work where you're just gophering stuff together? Or are you generating value at the strategic level, the tactical level, the vision and understanding like, hey, that's a red alarm. That doesn't look good. Or, hey, we're really crushing it here. Let's ping this over to the client. And so it just alleviates a lot of that nonsense. And it's super economical as well in terms of price point. So that's what it'll do for kind of people in that that's place. The other thing is, again, kind of all that stuff is a little bit doable, but the the business intelligence stuff gets really, really challenging to do, like time time between sales cycles. So we have uh, purchase time between first order, second order, third order. Again, cohorting, LTVs. Like you can do it, but one, you have to be really high level, and two, it, it's just a lot of work that it's like, so cool, you can blend data and play with spreadsheets. It's like, that's not what I'm paying you for. I'm paying you for actionables that from my marketing data, not putting the data together. And so we kind of bridge that gap and alleviate some of that cost. And I feel like so many entrepreneurs in this space like don't have the classical financial training. You know, mail I bet a lot don't necessarily know how to read a balance statement. And when it comes to these like advanced metrics, cohort data, it's probably not intuitive for people to to think about this. So, so to have it prepackaged, I think that's one of the reasons that Clavio has done so well, obviously, is they've just sort of took that use case of e-commerce and packaged all these, these usable things that just are good out of the box. And is that a way to think about Triple Whale as well in terms of like, it's fairly easy to set up. It's like you get into it and once it's set up, it's it's pretty set it and forget it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so those are kind of the two, and it's such an eloquent way to put it. And that's exactly kind of the path we're wanting to go down. There's two value drivers, like I said. So there's that daily summary. The daily summary takes a little bit of setup, but if you don't want to set anything up, we have pre-built sections where it's like seven clicks and all the sections I described to you will just be preloaded. Um, and then the second place is that business intelligence suite, really robust, really crazy, interesting stuff about the customer behavior, purchase behavior, et cetera. That's automatically set up. Um, and then if you do operate at the net profit level, um, all your cogs are imported in, and then we also have a ship station integration. Um, so if you're using ship station, you can automatically integrate your shipping costs and then you can import your shipping costs pretty easily as well. If you have like a three PL or something like that. Uh, we just passed black Friday, cyber money. We're still heading into the holidays. You're sitting across probably multiple accounts. Uh, I just wanted to ask, you know, if, if there's any insights that you've taken from Black Friday Cyber Money about the approach that advertisers kind of using Triple Whale uh, were able, able to implement this year that you you think all advertisers should be doing. Yeah. So I don't know if it's all advertisers, but I did see a lot of success of actually spending up to Black Friday and then kind of pulling the brakes. Um I think when you get into discounting, it gets really challenging again to make the economics work, especially if you're discounting against your top buyers where it's like that. So the people that we saw have the most success were people that were doing more so threshold discounting where buy $100 and get X product or Y product or something like that. That was a much more viable pathway. Um, to be fair, some people had some great Black Fridays that that did spend into oblivion. Looking back at some cohorting data, um, yeah, it's, I mean, Black Friday absolutely works. Um, I guess the biggest takeaway for me is the way I see Black Friday is essentially it's a, a, a money grab and B, you're pulling sales forward. So you, what you want to do is one, make sure that money grabs as efficient as possible because to your point, you don't want to get in the like, oh, you're handing out like ads, like tickets when they're walking to the cash register. Like that's not causal, right? Like just correlative where they're just like they were going to buy anyway. So why are you even paying to do that on top of that you're you're promoting a discount so by definition you're going to get less money from this purchase than promoting a non-discount ad so you start to get some some deterioration in economics there um but like i said i think it's a money grab make it efficient and then also see how you can get more people into higher value products such as um, either bundles or something that has a really high repurchase rate or even subscriptions. Because um, a lot of times you'll see just a killer November. And if you don't have a strong gifting, like if you're not in a strong gifting vertical, your December just looks like trash just because you pulled so many sales forward. And a lot of people bought, you know, three, four, five time products if it's a consumable because it's on sale. And so th that's that's kind of, uh, I'm a less, less curmudgeonly, I don't know if that's a, a word, I'm less bearish on uh, Black Friday than I was. I thought this Black Friday was going to be an apocalypse and it was actually um, across all accounts pretty decent. One thing I will say is Facebook does like you look at your Clavio and Facebook metrics and it's like people are you have 10 times the amount of money in your Shopify account. You're like what's going on here? This <laughs> where's all this money coming from? So I think Facebook is a lot less effective than people think on Black Friday Cyber Monday. I think it's really great to use it for prospecting and kind of get more people into the fold and then really turn up um, your uh, email and so on and so forth. That is actually to tidy it up. Uh, one thing I did see in the data that was really cool, the people that came in through Black Friday last year through a cohort, um, so last year's cohort, um, they actually spent a ton of money, but they weren't worth that much up until that Black Friday. So it might take a 10 to 12 month payback period, 11 month payback period, but um, they actually were worth um, a, a sufficient amount of value.
Super interesting. I you've used a lot of great words in this podcast. I think I heard svelte earlier is not a word that's been uttered on the podcast, uh, especially in the context you used it in, and I really appreciated it. Um, if people want to get on this triple whale type situation, what do you recommend they do? Yeah, so you can go to trytriplewhale.com, um, join the waitlist, see if you can get into a pixel. We also have a fantastic newsletter we send out called The Whale Mail. It's free. Um, every Tuesday is a really um, interesting long form essay, and every Thursday is a kind of like cold brew, morning brew style uh, roll up. Um, you can join that just going to our Twitter handle at try triple whale. Um, and you can subscribe on the Twitter page. And those are probably the two best ways to get involved. You could also slide into my DMs if you have something interesting. Always looking to chat. Is that on, uh, on what do you want to give your email, your Twitter? Uh, just at Rob Arayhill, uh on Twitter. So it's R-A-B-A-H-R-A-H-I-L on the Bird app. Yeah, just hit me up. That's perfect. Yeah, you've uh, just even just for your vocabulary alone, I think people might want to get in touch. This has been a lot of fun, Rabba. Uh, we'll have to have you back on to, uh, you know, once you, you digest a little bit more data, I think that's one of the most interesting things in my view is these positions where you work with so many different uh, partners and you can get so much data in aggregate. And, I, and I'm sure that data is private uh, in siloed, but finding ways to be able to tell big pictures about what's happening in the industry, I think is, is super valuable. So we'll have to get you back on for that perspective soon. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for having me on and a huge fan of the show, the, the newsletter, everything you guys are doing. Awesome. Thanks, brother. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.